Troubled by events in the world today, many people are asking, what on earth is happening? Pandemics, wars, intense weather patterns, social and political unrest, all of it stokes fear in our hearts. Did Jesus say anything about the times in which we live and the timing of his return? A few days before he went to the cross, he actually sat down with four of his disciples on the Mount of Olives and answered their questions about the end of the age. That fascinating conversation is recorded in Matthew 24 and 25. Wise people have a news feed in one hand and the Bible in their other hand. The only answer to what on earth is happening is found in the pages of Holy Scripture. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Are we living in the last days? Dr. Ron Jones shares his thoughts next on this Monday edition of Something Good. Hi, Brian Davis here. Thanks for being here as Ron kicks off his brand new teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Well, when you look at all that's been happening in the world for the past year or so, wars and rumors of war, a worldwide pandemic, cultural and social unrest, you can't help but wonder if this is the beginning of the end. Today, Ron takes us back 2,000 years to the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus spoke of events that may very well be happening right before our eyes. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. From Matthew chapter 24, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Last Days Living. Uh, A lot of us, including myself, have used the word unprecedented to describe our experience with a pathogen known as the coronavirus and COVID-19. If a worldwide pandemic was not enough to rattle our collective cages, and it is, uh, now we're experiencing a cultural and political bonfire which has exploded in the streets of many of our major cities, uh, sort of reminiscent of the civil rights uh, struggles back in the uh, 1960s. These are the kinds of events that, uh, well, that trouble us. And few of us can remember a time uh, quite nearly as, as stressful as this, and certainly we can't remember days that feel more uncertain like this. Um, a pandemic, uh, the political and social unrest, add to that just what we've come to understand is everyday wars and rumors of wars and uh, intense weather patterns and all of that. It's, it's raised a question in a lot of people's minds, what on earth is happening? What's going on on planet earth? And as Christians who uh, study the Word of God and keep our ears attuned to what the Scripture says. Uh, Many of us are asking whether Jesus had anything to say about the times in which we're living, let alone about the timing of His return. Do those questions intrigue you at all? They certainly do me, because I always read the Bible, certain portions of it especially, 
um, by viewing it through the lens of current events. Where, where are we in God's overall plan of redemption? Where are we on the prophetic calendar? These are some of the questions uh, that I have on my heart. The good news is Jesus did uh, answer some of those questions. He, he did talk about the times in which we're living today. He talked about the timing of his return. And today I'm beginning this brand new series of messages titled, What on Earth is Happening? Uh, what, 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 what's going on here on planet Earth? And, and we're going to be uh, going to Matthew chapter 24 and 25, fascinating section of Scripture, also known as the Olivet Discourse, where we can examine the prophecies of Jesus concerning the end of the age. Now, Bible prophecy is always a fascinating subject, but it should do more than just fascinate us, uh, especially in these times a study like this should also encourage us and give us hope and uh, bring comfort to us in challenging times like this. For example, when writing to the Thessalonians about the rapture of the church, you ever heard of the rapture of the church? Uh, I, I believe it is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. And the Apostle Paul wrote extensively about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. At the end of that section of Scripture, he writes these words, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Bible prophecy should always be uh, encouraging to our hearts. It should always uh, fill us with hope and, and strengthen our faith. I know some people who say, oh, I, I don't want to waste my time with Bible prophecy. I know some pastors who never touch the subject. And, and that confuses me a little bit because... 25% of the Bible, I learned a long time ago, 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was prophetic in nature, predictive in nature. You don't want to talk about these things or wrestle with these things or preach these things or teach these things. You've just taken a knife and cut out one-fourth of the Bible and say, I'm not going to interact with it. Of the 25% that was, when it was written, was predictive in nature, 50% at least of those prophecies have come true. And I'm not talking about general things like you read in a horoscope, you're going to have a nice day today. No, we're talking about specific details uh, in the Old Testament about the coming of Messiah and all of that. And in the New Testament and some Old Testament going forward, specific details about the end of the age, no, uh, we, we, need to, uh, we need to study these things, especially in light of the world in which we're living in today and in light of the, the, the pause brought about by a worldwide, a global pandemic. I'm going to give you a little hint, a little preview of where we're going. Without sensation... And without, you know, straying from the text of Scripture, I'm going to put the coronavirus right in the middle of Bible prophecy because Jesus talked about things like this 2,000 years ago, and we'll talk more about that in the days to come. Uh, without any further delay, let's just go to Matthew chapter 24, and I want to set the context for you. I want to set uh, the setting of where we are in the Gospels and where we are in the life of Jesus, where Matthew 24 four and five fit in the overall story. And uh, if we go back 2,000 years ago, it's, well, it's Passover week. It's Holy Week. It's just days before Jesus goes to the cross and then three days later rises from the dead. And uh, Luke tells us in a parallel section of his gospel 
that um, every night during Holy Week, as we call it, Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives. Now, if you've been to Jerusalem with us, you can get this picture in your mind. Even if not, you can kind of picture, you know, on this side over here, you have the ancient city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, the old city of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. If you've ever seen a picture of that gold dome, uh, the dome of the mosque, you know, that's, that's uh, the Temple Mount, the old city of Jerusalem spanning out from there. Then you have a valley. It's called the Kidron Valley. Down at the lower end of the valley is the Garden of Gethsemane. And then up this side, the Mount of Olives. So we know from Luke's gospel that every night during Passover week, um, Jesus was out in the city, and in this case, uh, in and around the temple area with his disciples, but he returned to the Mount of Olives. And it was there, I'm going to say, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday of Holy Week. I'll put it somewhere in that range. We don't know precisely which day. It wasn't Thursday because we know he's in the upper room with his disciples on that night, on the cross on Friday, in the tomb on Saturday, resurrected on Sunday. So somewhere earlier in the week, he's returning to the Mount of Olives, and uh, the disciples ask him some questions, questions that began earlier as he was on the Temple Mount. And now on the Mount of Olives, and he, they ask questions about the end of the age. What are the signs to look for? If there was any place in the Bible where I would have loved to have been, not a fly on the wall, but a locust on the olive tree, I would have loved to have been here on the Mount of Olives. If you've been to Israel, you know how majestic that view is. And the, and the Old Testament tells us that when Jesus returns, he will come and set his feet right upon the Mount of Olives and split the earth from there. So this is, I mean, just, you know, chills running up and down my spine when I think about sitting there with his disciples, and Luke tells us just four of his disciples were there, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, having a conversation about the signs to look for and when all this would happen at the end of the age. Jesus made some predictions 2,000 years ago, and, and we're in the midst of that, and, and we, can, we can have conversation about where we are in the midst of those predictions. Again, without getting sensational, but with also remaining very, uh, very predictable or very uh, biblical. Now, one of the questions that it raises is simply this, why should we trust Jesus' predictions any more than anybody else's predictions? I mean, there's a guy centuries ago named Nostradamus who made some predictions, and many of them came true. Many of them didn't come true. But Nostradamus is kind of a, a fascinating read and a fascinating study. Closer to our time and in our generation, a lady named Jean Dixon, you know, was the uh, uh, astrologer to the stars. Or a little bit closer to our time, the Long Island medium. You ever heard of her? I mean, some of these people who are making predictions about the future. What separates Jesus' predictions and Bible prophecy from Nostradamus or Gene Dixon or the Long Island medium or anybody who says, I can see into the future? Can we really see into the future? Well, here's one thing that separates Bible prophecy from all of that. It's the standard that the Bible makes for itself, and it's one 100% accuracy. You go back into the Old Testament. If a prophet of God or a so-called prophet made a prediction about the future and it didn't come 100% true, if even a smidgen of it, if most of it was true but just a little bit of it was not, 
He was deemed a false prophet and not from God. That's the very high standard the Bible sets because the God of the Bible does not lie. But the God of the Bible is a revealer of mysteries and a revealer of secrets. He doesn't tell us everything we'd like to know about the end of the age, but he gives us enough to know to be encouraged, to have hope, to find comfort during these times, and yes, to be ready for his soon return at any moment and at any time. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ronjun's message, Last Days Living. And if you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by clicking on Explore right at the top of the homepage, then scrolling down to the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Jesus gave us many prophecies during his three-year ministry on earth. Many have yet to take place, but some have already happened. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Last Days Living. But uh, Jesus made some predictions, some of them near-term predictions during his ministry. Others were uh, longer-term predictions that we'll get to in the weeks ahead. Let let me just talk a little bit about some of the near-term predictions to establish the case for Jesus' 100% batting record here. First of all, Jesus predicted his death and resurrection. Did you know that? We hear a lot about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he actually predicted it. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, and in response to uh, some of the Pharisees that had challenged him and provoked him to show them a sign, you know, they were sign seekers. Jesus, give us a sign that says you truly are who you say you are. In Matthew 12 and verse 40, Jesus says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What an answer to their questions. He goes all the way back to the biggest fish story ever told, the story of Jonah, and actually gives credibility to the story. I don't have time to uh, validate the fact that Jonah was a real person who lived at a real time in a real place, got swallowed by a real fish, got burped up by a real fish onto a real beach, but I can establish that very carefully if we had time to do that. But Jesus goes back to that story to say and to predict his future death and resurrection on the cross. He says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. The Pharisees were looking for a sign, and what he was saying was, I'll give you a sign, my own resurrection from the dead. Later he said, even if a man rises from the dead, they won't believe. Jesus also demonstrated or rather predicted his uh, death and resurrection in Matthew chapter 16, um, where following Peter's great confession of Christ, where he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, way to go, Peter. Way to go, Peter. Matthew writes, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem 
and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, this begs the question, why were the disciples ever surprised by these events? But you read the gospel accounts, and they, they, this kind of caught them off guard. But the Bible tells us, the gospels tell us that Jesus often, not just once, not just twice, but often said to the disciples, no, this is what's going to happen. The Son of Man is going to be served up by these religious leaders, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised for, to life. You know, it's one thing for Jesus to predict his own death. I suppose anybody could do that and uh, create uproar and just enough of an uproar that somebody might be likely to take you out, right? But Jesus didn't stop with his own death. He, he predicted his death <laughs> and his resurrection. Who does that? Uh, Joe Namath predicted that the AFL would win the Super Bowl years ago. Uh, what a ridiculous prediction, but they did. And this is even more so. Uh, Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection. Secondly, Jesus also predicted that his disciples would abandon him. Uh, on the night before he was crucified, Jesus said to his disciples, now we're in the upper room, he says, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He draws from an Old Testament passage there. Later, after Jesus was arrested, Matthew records some disappointing words. It says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Um, they probably didn't think that was going to happen. They were probably sitting there with their jaws, you know, dropped down to their, their plate there in the upper room. No, we're not all going to betray you, Jesus. But they did. Jesus predicted it. Sure, it's a near-term prediction, but nonetheless. Uh, another prediction Jesus made was Peter's denial. Uh, this and the prediction about the disciples were, again, near-term prophecies, we might call them, but nonetheless, they came true in remarkable detail. You remember how Peter responded with strong emotions to Jesus' suggestion that they would all uh, fall away from him. And um, uh, Peter even said in uh, Matthew chapter 26, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Now, we love Peter for his... Uh, boasting in his bombastic nature. You know, he, I'll never depart, Jesus. Even if one has to, to die with you, I will never disown you. And I never want to be too hard on Peter. Peter's that guy who uh, has his life written about and all of his failures written about in the gospel accounts, and I wouldn't want to be that person for everybody to read for centuries and generations to come, but I do want to say to Peter, cock-a-doodle-doo, you know, it happened just like Jesus predicted it would happen. And um, next, Jesus also predicted the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Now I'm back to Matthew chapter 24, to the Olivet Discourse. And again, picture uh, Jerusalem teeming with people. It's Passover time. People from all around the region have come to Jerusalem, tens of thousands of people. Jesus and his disciples are now there, and, you know, it's great to hang out in the temple area. Um, that, that's where everything was happening, and the temple was this uh, magnificent, magnificent structure. 
It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away, Matthew 24 and verse 1, when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. This is where the disciples must have thought that Jesus, you know, slipped a gear because, you know, this, this, this structure was massive, it was magnificent, and he was predicting that the temple itself would become a pile of rubble. But who makes a prediction like that? The temple was one of the most magnificent structures in the world at that time. Imagine six football fields lying side by side, and you have some sense of the grandness of the Temple Mount and um, the greatness and what a breathtaking worship complex it was. Jesus gave us several near-term prophecies. Peter's denial, his death and resurrection, the destruction of the temple, all have come true. We can be confident that every prophecy he gave us will take place, including his declaration that he will come back. Take comfort in these words. Thanks so much for joining us for Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. And if you missed part of today's message, Last Days Living, or if you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can accomplish God's will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call us, 757 757- 276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love for you to have the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. That's all eight messages in Ron's teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. 
Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. In light of where we are on God's prophetic timetable, in light of the present circumstances that we find ourselves in, not to mention the political and social unrest in our streets, here's the question. How shall we live as believers in Jesus Christ? And are we living in the last days? That's a question uh, people pose to me from time to time. Pastor, are, are we living in the last days? That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Last Days Living. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.